So welcome, NARC Troopers. And today, I am pleased to announce that we have um, a guest who's going to talk to us about recovery from narcissistic abuse and some things that um, she has done um, that we can all benefit from knowing. She's the founder of Discover Life Coaching, and I will post a link for that um, in the in the notes at the bottom. Uh, she's a former victim of emotional abuse uh, who needlessly carried the embarrassment and shame of two toxic marriages that ended in divorce. Me too. Um, now, Betty Jo is a victorious survivor who uses everything she learned climbing out of her pain to help others. Coupling that with her 10 years of experience as a mental health advocate, today she guides those who feel lost, who don't trust themselves or know what, what they want to do next, to rise up and to take charge of creating a life that they love. Her mission through her one-on-one -on -one personal coaching and her online course is to help many discover what lights them up and um, and just to be the change that they they want to be. And so welcome, Betty Jo. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Um, Very honored. Thank you. Well, I'm glad you're here. I, I hope we're going to walk away with some things we can put to use right away and think about and, um, you know, help boost our recovery um, program that each of us tries to kind of build for ourselves. Um, you hear a lot of talk about victims of um, abuse, all different kinds of abuse, and there's all different kinds of narcissists. So in many ways, we each experience that kind of in a different way with common denominators, of course. But um, victims are angry for, you know, when they come out of the shock and the, and the disbelief of what is going on. When they realize what has happened, they 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 feel a lot of anger, resentment, um, and really negative feelings, just all the way around towards their abuser, towards themselves, all of that. And so, one of the things that I think is one of the hardest things to think about is getting to a place where we can see what they are and understand that we have to accept that and somehow make peace with it. Because if we can't accept what they are, uh, we're, we're going to constantly be, well, a lot of different things happen. Sometimes people sit around waiting to get hoovered, can't wait for them to come back, to loop back around and get abused again. And, and they welcome them with, you know, open door, you know, I missed you, come back, let's, let's reconstruct this nightmare again or they uh, get stuck with ruminations and obsessive thinking about how they're going to get revenge or they have you know and it just manifests in so many negative ways so we want to achieve that place where we have freedom and um, to get to the place of freedom we have to make peace with all of this when they don't give you closure and you, you know, how do you, how do you get to that place of peace? Um, let's talk about that for, to start with. Well, so first off, I would say uh, forgiving yourself, identifying what exactly you betrayed yourself from. Like being in that situation to begin with, because there's there's a lot of things that have gone on during the relationship that you might have just let go. You 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 lost yourself. You lost your values. Lost your identity. And identifying exactly what those things were, and just finding just identifying that and pinpointing exactly what you need to forgive yourself for. And that doesn't come easy because that takes time. That takes digging in and, and um, really finding out where you got lost. And so I think the hardest part is 
hey, I did betray myself and that's a hard, heavy word, but what are those things that I need to forgive myself for? Yeah, I, and, hear, I hear people say all the time, I can't believe that I did such and such in this relationship. And it surprises them that they have gone against their own values and ethics. They have surrendered their belief systems and they have, it's kind of like you've been in a coma for whatever period of time you were with this disordered person and that you were just uh, totally transported to some place like Never Never Land or, you know, La La Land or, or something in that fantasy, that shared fantasy, mutually psychotic bubble that you were in with this person. So that when you do wake up, man, you hit that ground with a thud, knocks the breath out of you. It's like, oh my gosh, this is reality. It's black and white and gritty and grimy and I hate it. And how did I get here? They think about all the time they lost being in that alternate reality with that disordered person because to me, that's the most tragic part for me is the loss of valuable, precious time that I can never get back with my children, with my friends, with relatives. Like they're gone now and things have changed. It's a whole new world and I missed it because I was, um, you know, and that's hard to forgive yourself for. And, and, and another thing I want to bring up is, you know, a lot of people just blame the narcissist and vilify them or the psychopath or the narcopath or whoever this disordered cluster B person is. They just act like that person is the devil. He's evil incarnate. He's this soulless monster who ruins my life. And while that may be true to in some capacity, I think we also have to try to define um, our how we participated, how we uh, what was our role? Were we a co-conspirator? Was it like Stockholm syndrome? Were we brainwashed and cultivized so that we just accepted all of this, you know, crazy making? and didn't even question it. Like what happened there? Were, were we addicted to the, the, the dopamine hits that we got from this person? Like there's just a lot of, we have to like, how did we allow that to happen? Why did we not run screaming from the room when we saw those first red flags? It's hard to get to a place where we can show ourselves grace and forgiveness when we look back and we see all those things we did, we did things that, you know, yeah. that we never ever would have done. We did them and they were awful things and they hurt people and we stayed. Why did, you know, what is that? And so you've got this laundry list of things where it's like in a way you participated in your own abuse. How do you forgive yourself for that? So like I said, identifying it first and most of us are very compassionate, kind people, but we have a very hard time giving that same compassion to ourselves and taking the time to do that. And it does take time. It takes a lot of patience. Um, I would say, like I said, identifying it and then sitting sitting there and realizing that that judgment that shame that guilt doesn't define you mm -hmm. it happened that. and it happened for a reason what are you going to take from that experience with you to make you better i to love that um can you talk about get through the whole situation you know, I'm sorry, a lot of people say, they say, uh, oh, there's a silver lining. Uh, you know, I, I've read um, people who actually said meeting this person was a blessing. Um, it was a gift. And in a way, that narcissist is an angel. <laughs> Those aren't my words. Robert Torbay said that on, on something he wrote. He's, he writes for Quora. And he said, the narcissist is an angel come to wake you up because you've got wounds and baggage and trauma and 
dependency issues and abandonment issues and attachment issues, and you probably got a lot of stuff going on, which made you vulnerable to this in the first place. He said, but you got to look at it as an opportunity, a blessing, a gift. As this person did you a favor, they woke you up and forced you to do something. And you hit upon that when you said, you know, in, in part of the forgiveness, once you've identified that you do need to forgive yourself, that's a necessary part of the healing that you stop looking at it as just the worst thing that ever happened that ruined your life and start looking mm -hmm. at it as a wake up call and an opportunity to work on those things that you probably have always needed to work on and haven't. What, what do you think about yeah. that? Absolutely. So your biggest challenges are your greatest gifts. And those lessons that you've, you've come to, you've uncovered by being in that relationship with that narcissist definitely have made you stronger. They have, they have built your, um, your identity because you have to kind of rebuild your identity. You kind of are lost and don't know who you are. And so you can, you get to like recreate who you are. And so that also gives you the tools to identify with others who are going through the same thing. Mm -hmm. There is a reason you went through this. And I believe with all my heart is to help those the, uh, other people that might be just stuck in that haze, that, that just deep darkness and you've gotten out and you've identified it and it's definitely something that you can pinpoint and relate to with someone else and that has been my biggest gift is being able to see that and help help others with those same circumstances i mean it doesn't have to be exact but we all have that those same crazy feelings the same why did i stay so long why did i lose all this time mm -hmm. you know and there there definitely is a reason it took you so long it it took you time to heal it took you time to identify the things that you were stuck in and it's taking you time to forgive yourself. I mean, it's it's not like it happens overnight. It's not a one and done thing. And it's not like you rip the bandaid. It's slowly and patiently learning how to be gentle with yourself and patient with yourself. Do you think and it would finding be, yourself. Um, do you think it would be safe to say that it's possible or even probable that many of the people who are vulnerable to narcissists and get tied up in this entangled in this kind of enmeshment with them had some kind of guilt or shame or early toxic messaging and programming that it's not just that they have to deal with with the shame and those feelings of humiliation and um, being degraded and all of that by the disordered narcissist or psychopath but that maybe it came the reason it feels so familiar and is so acceptable is maybe it was something that that you experienced earlier that stuck and so that the abuse maybe kind of feels like home it's familiar because maybe you experienced that in your in your childhood or something like that do you think that's possible absolutely i do think that as little ones we experience different things said to us or different meanings of events that happened. And even though the, the, the event might have not really happened in actual, um, in actuality, the way we received it was very, um, how can I put this? It was believable to us. So those beliefs start at a very early age. And we tried as little ones, we try to make meaning. We're meaning making machines. We make meaning out of everything. Even as adults, we try to make meaning out of things. And it doesn't mean it's necessarily fact, 
but that's how we perceive it. And so going back and kind of pinpointing those areas in your life that you might have got some mismessaged information. <laughs> you might have had some things that really weren't the truth. Mm-hmm. And and going back and finding those those areas in your life that really you would like to rewrite almost and finding a different truth about that that's more empowering, a better perspective. And it can be something as simple as, okay, here's a very basic one. I'm not enough. The way I am is not enough. And I know tons of people who that's kind of the message they got as a little one. I'm just not enough. Or they had, they were objectified or instrumentalized. That's an actual uh, thing you may be familiar of. These are things that parents do their kids. They parentify the kid and make the kid act as the parent. They, uh, instrumentalize them, meaning that they use them as a tool to achieve something that, that either they wanted to and couldn't for themselves or they need to for some venture that they have at the current time. Uh, they objectify, they treat that child as an object, not a human. They don't have empathy for the child. Many times one of the parents, one or both of the parents, are narcissist or have some other uh, disorder. Maybe they're borderline or maybe they, you know, are histrionic or something that prevents them from giving that child the tools that they need to be able to navigate through life with ease. The, the child just doesn't get it. And there's no one to watch to model those behaviors, to learn them from. So they enter into their teenage adolescence and young adult years not having a clue. They've never been given a roadmap. The only thing they've been taught to do is to be manipulative or to be threatening or to be contemptuous or to be or to feel like they have to be uh, over performers and overachievers to earn love that is not given freely or unconditionally but only with certain conditions attached to it. And and they spend their whole life trying to jump through those hoops to earn what shouldn't have to be earned, not from a parent at least. Right. Um, So when you, when you have this shame, like I'm not enough given to you by a parent, and then you meet someone who uses their own shame and projects it upon you, it's just this perfect storm. Uh, it's it, they, those um, two individuals kind of click together in the most unfortunate way so that the, the relationship is strong. The, the draw, the magnetism um, is very strong right at the beginning because it's like those you both want something from each other. There's a hunger, a thirst in both you coming from where you've come from and from that uh, cluster B disordered person who is also hollow and empty in a different kind of way, but still hollow and empty nonetheless and looking for something, you know, they, they want to feed. They have to fuel that emptiness and your dinner, you know, you're, you are that fuel for them. (laughs) So um, how do we, uh, I'm not sure I see, any concrete like way I, I understand I need to let go of my guilt and my shame and and I, I have carried it much of my life and felt like things were my fault or if I had just been this that or the other on a cognitive level you can know something and I've read all the books done all the research I have a master's degree in this I get it here I don't get it here. I can't internalize what my head rationally cognitively knows to to get it in sync with my heart, my emotions, my feelings, um, and all of that. Because even though in my head, I'm like, I have no reason to feel any shame or guilt. I didn't do anything wrong. I was a child and I, I deserve love and I don't have to earn it. And I deserve this, that, and the other. And 
I get that. I know that. But I don't think the rest of me believes it. What do you do about that? Do you have exercises or yes, things that we can there do? There are some really simple tools. And let me just say, it does not happen overnight. But our minds are amazing mechanisms that you can walk through some pretty simple tools that are actually very easy to do some meditations, some guidances that kind of flip that whole belief system. Um, and it's, it's part of our brain that is fight or flight or survival part um, meeting with our, our cognitive part, our thinking part. So, and also our feeling part. You said, you, you know, you talk about, I have it all in my head. I know I've heard, I've heard all the positive quotes. I've read all the books. I've done all this personal development. Getting that into your heart is actually just reprogramming the brain in some simple tools, some very simple exercises that um, sometimes they really work. Sometimes you have to use different ones. Sometimes you need to use meditation. But finding finding those tools is actually kind of the fun of exploring with a person and partnering with them to figure out what exactly they've uncovered that they're stuck in and finding the right tool to help them guide them through that. So it becomes a whole experience a whole mind body soul experience versus just head knowledge so can you give us an example of um one of those tools or strategies to uh sync up the head and the heart so um i like walking through people through and this is probably a very common uh common exercise is walking them through and visiting their future selves and that is basically they're going through a hard time right now and they've kind of been holding on to some guilt and shame and they're just dealing with life and that anxiety is coming the fears coming the uncertainty is coming and i just walk them through um a very um easy meditation and we go and visit ourselves 20 years from now oh. <laughs> and it's a simple step of what is that 20 you know you, you take their age go go forward 20 years and what are they saying to you in 20 years from now are you dealing with these same issues and problems and stuckness that you're dealing with now and what wisdom do they have to tell you now? And it's remarkable. It seems so simple, but you just walk them through where they live, what they look like, what the issue, you know, what words of wisdom they have. And it's something as simple as that, but it is very transformational. Awesome. I love that. Um, thank you. Um, I, I want, I want to talk about self-advocacy and sort of learning to have a voice. Um, how we find our voice when our parents don't see us, when our caregivers don't hear us or validate us or experience us in the ways we need to be at all those developmental landmarks along the way that you're supposed to have like at age 12 months this is supposed to happen and 18 months that's supposed to happen and they, it doesn't happen because the parents are unavailable impaired absent um unwell um if you're invisible i think it's the, that a lot of things can happen some people dissociate uh, some people create a whole false self like the narcissist does that they um, use that as a coping mechanism to protect themselves. Um, but I think one, one of the most common that I've 
heard of and seen in my own practice is people who say, I feel like I don't know how to speak up for myself or have boundaries or have any kind of agency where I feel like I have a voice that matters that can, that people are going to want to hear. So I don't even try to self advocate because growing up, no matter how much I, you know, shook my fist or kicked and screamed or demanded attention, I never got it. So I just accepted that I'm invisible and they become invisible adults right? Mm -hmm. Where they're, they're trying to be seen. Maybe they secretly wish they could be seen, but it's almost as if they have a disability and that disability is their inability to um, do self care or self advocacy or just anything for self. That's all just kind of a blurry concept to them. They're not even sure what that means. Maybe they're, maybe even their identity is just kind of in pieces and fragments and never really fully fleshed out. And, uh, you know, there's, there's just a lot of ways that could go sideways. So when we're in that situation where we feel powerless and, uh, we cannot self validate, we don't feel that we have the power, uh, to, to give ourselves what we need. We have to go hunt for it outside of ourselves and we can't speak up and say when we feel violated or when we feel like it's unsafe or whatever, we just are silent and we allow things to happen and we don't say anything or do anything. We just accept these transgressions. What, what advice do you have for us there? I'm going to go back to the awareness and this is hard for somebody that's been silenced for so long, but, and it takes time, but finding out, identifying what your values are, what you really want, um, what your dreams are. That's tough when you've been pushed down for so long and stuck for so long. It's almost scary. It's almost like you feel like you need permission to actually have a voice, have an opinion, have, have any type of, uh, outlook. So identifying what that is and taking the time to find out what that is and getting comfortable with that. It's like, do I think, you know, do I really feel this or am I getting persuaded by somebody? Do I really want this out of life or am I getting exactly. manipulated or persuaded? <laughs> And finding out what that is. And then this is a muscle you have to build for somebody that has been pushed down and silenced for so long. Finding some safe people to almost practice with, I guess you would say. How, how, um, um, let me let me ask you this. Can you can you tell us how we practice with other people? Like what would that sound like? How how would one practice doing that? I would say someone you feel comfortable with and safe with like a close friend or friends. And you know that it's a safe place. It's an open space. It's they're transparent with you and you can be transparent with them. And you know that what you say is not going to get attacked or shared. And I would, that's how I would say practicing, I guess, with someone, because then your voice is getting out and you're getting that truth out. So you're what, getting what your voice it, out. What is it that you, like, I wouldn't know where to begin. Let me just say this. I'll use myself okay. as an example again. <laughs> I, I think it would be something as simple as, you know, I've always wanted to go to Australia and this is why. So and would you just they, start would, sharing. I wouldn't know where to begin because when I, you know, I, I'm just, I'm awkward. I, I feel like I don't even know how to be social or whatever. And so um, <laughs> I, it's hard to know where to start. And I know there's people that are, have it much worse than I do. Uh, I, I'll tell you what I have recommended. I have said that, you know, you need to um, share 
what you what your beliefs and system is what your value system is they have like values clarification worksheets and journals and books you can read to help you sort of am i for or against this um where mm -hmm. am i on this on this range of beliefs on a scale of one to ten what do i feel passionately about what do i just not care anything about um those kind of things like trying to shape up it's like you've been giving a been given a glob of clay and it's just a blob and you're supposed to make a human out of that <laughs> and so how do you start doing that well you've got to figure out you know like you said what do you like what do you not like what things can you just not tolerate right what do you think about ai do you think it's going to take over and uh, be the end of humanity because it's going to be smarter than us? <laughs> or do you think it's a big bunch of brouhaha and it's not going to amount to anything? Are you threatened by that? Do you think it's going to change the world? What are your feelings on that? So you start with something like that and then you get it to be something more personal. Like let's talk about um, the right to life and abortion and the abortion pill. Where are you on that topic? And then you shrink it down some more, even more personal for you. Um, what are like, th this is like gonna end a conversation where you're gonna remove yourself or ask that person to leave. What are the non-negotiables? Make a list of your non-negotiables because there was a time in my life I had no idea what my non-negotiables were. I do now. Right because I've done the work, but there was a time when you asked me, when is it going to be enough and too much where you shut it down and say, you have violated a boundary. It's a no go zone back up, buddy. <laughs> yeah. I would have said, I don't know. Right. Um, and like you say, you write those things down. You actually sit with yourself, take the time and write those things down. Yes. And, and get I know comfortable where, with yeah. what they are. Exactly. Yeah. And then also not having to validate it. You don't have to defend or validate your boundary. There it's is no reason boundary. for you to ever have to explain your boundary. And when they violate it, you just have a strategy to A, confront them about it and say, I told you not to say that to me. I told you not to call me names. I'm done talking to you until you can talk to me like an adult or done or B you leave the conversation. They can't argue with you if you're not there, you know, coming up exactly. with certain strategies of, so, okay, if it gets to this, I'm going to do this. Absolutely. I think it's helpful to, um, to sit down and, and ask yourself, um, what, what are my boundaries and in what areas of my life do I have them? So if I feel like a person is talking ugly to me and insulting me and not treating me with respect, I think it's important to like get a cheat sheet, put it on your phone. <laughs> and, and so, cause you know, you've always got your phone in your hand, put a bunch of phrases that, cause a lot of times people who've never practiced, self-advocacy or having any kind of clarity on where their boundaries are they need those little phrases like you just said uh i'm feeling uncomfortable right now i think we need to stop this conversation like that would be a good one put it on a note pad i've got this little app that's just called notes put it on there so you can pull it up and have something ready to go locked and loaded so that when you're in that circumstance where you're going to let them just steamroll over you, that's your regular modus operandi. Instead of doing that this time you say, I'm so sorry, but I'm going to have to stop you right here. Um, I'm uncomfortable with what we're talking about. So uh, I'm going to remove myself and, and then just, remove yourself or say uh if if we continue to talk about this i'm going to have to leave or just whatever it is that you feel comfortable saying write it down so you've got like little prompts <laughs> kind of like um you know if you forget right. your lines somebody's over there showing you like this is where you say such and such 
like to, to cues <laughs> to help you remember your lines and, and practice yeah. with that tool of having a cheat sheet of comebacks because people, uh, you know, I don't know, they, they don't take no for an answer these days. And so you have to yeah. have some very definitive, forceful statements to assert yourself or, or they're just going to run right over you. Yeah. And shut down the need to explain. Oh, that's a good thing. Yeah. Nobody needs that, to that hear, compulsion hear that. to explain yourself. You don't have to, it's your boundary. It's your value. It's your, if that's you, there's, that is it. And it can be around words. It can be around, um, uh, per, you know, personal space, you know, finances, whatever that is. It, there's many ways people step on your boundaries. Yes. And it's your so. boundary. So you don't to, have to explain it. In addition to practicing with the boundaries and, and learning to uh, protect yourself is what you're doing. You're learning to protect yourself. You're not depending on someone else to come along and do it for you you are protecting yourself, which is like a very fundamental survival skill that some of us never learned when we needed to. So we have to learn it now or else people will continue to uh, invade us and take over and have bad things happen. So in addition to that, um, we're, when we say we need to find our voice besides boundaries, what else do we need to do? Is it, is it partly like, figuring out our identity that has to go beyond us asking our questions like what, what do I, um, you know, what kind of ice cream do I like? Or, you know, how, how does one build an identity? Is it through their boundaries? Is it the same thing or is it a different thing that we're talking about? I think that I think boundaries definitely are part of your identity and it's simply the things you will and will not tolerate. You know, this is okay. This is not okay. And that definitely has a ton to do with your identity and who you are and your values. Um, I also believe that owning what you believe is true for you and not having whatever that's identity. What is true for you? Not what somebody else's opinion is not what somebody else has wants you to believe and is trying to manipulate for you to believe exactly. just sitting down and really thinking about what is true for you. What do you value? What do you identify with? And like I said, you said earlier, sometimes we grow up in environments where we are not seen and heard. And it's a very hard thing to do. It almost feels rude when we state our boundaries, yeah. state our opinions, give, you know, say what we want, you know, take the time to take care of ourselves and take time for ourselves. We feel like we're being selfish. We feel like we're, you know, somebody's missing out because we're taking that time for us. I think you hit, and, hit it on the head when you just now said, um, you know, what do we want? I think that that's another opportunity to write something down <laughs> and to, you know, document adjectives, descriptors of how you want to interact with the world. What, what do you expect? Like, what do you require in your interactions with the world, which would, I would pick words like, I want to be treated with respect. Um, right. I don't want to be accused falsely, uh, criticized, um, talked down to mocked, um, you know, or someone mimics me or parrots me or makes fun of me. I don't want to be ridiculed. I don't want to be minimized or discounted. I don't want to be. And so I'd make a list of those things that these things are yucky. <laughs> you know, these things make me feel really bad and I don't deserve them. I'm going to just not allow that. I'm going to reject that. So I demand kindness and courtesy and I demand that some things that don't feel good that 
you're not going to get to do that around me or say that around me because it I don't like it. So stop doing it or saying it right. and and make that list. Because I think sometimes we talk about this in terms like our listeners today, they've probably heard before, you know, you've got to show yourself some compassion and self-love and forgive yourself. But how? What does that what does that mean? Uh, you know, I, I know that through my life, it would come across me and it would just pass me one side in one ear and out the other ear because I didn't even know what that would look like. I had no clue what they were talking about. Like what, what would that look like? And so these techniques where you actually write down the cues and the lines that you're actually going to say and where you identify the adjectives, descriptors of things that you require in your interactions, like the respect and um, stuff like that. Once someone crosses that line, what are you going to do? You need to define that. Define, like, do I immediately get out of that conversation and leave? Do I give them a warning, a one-time warning, and if they do it again, then I shut it down? Uh, do I stop being friends with that person or hanging out with them? Like, you've got to ask all those questions. It's a, like you said, takes forever because there's so many pieces to it. <laughs> it's not just so simple. Of, well, I'm going to love myself. Let me give myself a great big hug right now. Okay, we're good. Yeah. Everything's fine. Well, no, it's not. One and done. It's not a one and done thing. <laughs> no, it's a life. It, it it's, a lifelong, it's a lifelong uh, exercise. Yes. Just like, just like getting used to noticing your intuition, your gut feelings. And when you are feeling uncomfortable, that's a exercise too to get used to okay why am i feeling so uneasy why am i feeling um unsafe around this person your your intuition is telling you something and getting used to listening in on that and yeah, okay i i allowed this too long i stayed too long i let them talk to me too long coming up with okay next time when this comes up i'm going to do it differently not like condemning yourself like oh you should have you know you should have done better that you know just gently saying okay next time if this happens this is what i want to do i think I'm that's really true listen to that I, I think you have to have positive self-talk i think is what they call it instead of negative self-talk when i talk to my little inner self I'll try to be sweet to her and I'll say, Oh, sweetheart, you know, it's okay. I got you. You don't have to be scared because I'm going to protect you and let's go get ice cream, <laughs> you know, but sometimes, you yeah. know, it's hard because that inner part of you is so scared, so terrorized, so hungry for love and affection, which is a lot of times what gets us in trouble with these people in the first place. Because we've never had that love and affection. So anything that even remotely looks like it might be that. And they're so good at mirroring us back to us so that we're seeing ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that just makes us uh, a, a target for, for predators. Because we, we, we're so needy. We're, we're just so so thirsty for that kind of, of validation when we ought to give it to ourselves. And that's hard to do. Sometimes I just want to tell her that's enough, young lady, go sit in the corner, stop acting out, <laughs> stop it right now. You know, you don't need this destructive stuff. You need to just cut it out. And I just want to talk to her that way because I was like, yeah, I've had it, but it does. It's just like you're parenting yourself. And you have to kind of speak to yourself with some patience and kindness, like as if this were your own child. You're not going to, you know, yell at them and like, what's wrong with you? Go away. <laughs> You're going to try to figure it out and say, okay, come on, sit over here with me. Let's sit together in this quiet space and try to figure out what's going on with you. A lot of, uh, one of the most valuable things that I've ever heard since in, for years is that when your inner child starts acting up, when you start having anxiety, 
when you start getting triggered, when you start feeling panicked, when things are just, you're feeling things are not okay in any way, shape, or form. They're just not okay. The thing you need to do is ask yourself, what do I need right now that's causing me to feel like this? What is it I'm not getting? What, I, what is it I'm not providing for myself? What is it that I need that's causing me to not be okay right now? And identify what that is and then try your best to figure out. Got to do some problem solving here. Figure out how to give it to yourself. That's hard. Because <laughs> sometimes I have no idea. Hard. It's like, okay, clearly we have a problem here. Houston, we have a problem. Now what? Go sit in the corner. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you know it's, it's hard to know. But like I think you said this earlier today, trial and error. You just try on different tools and tips and techniques and, and find the ones that work and keep them. And if it doesn't work, don't use those. Try something else and build your own little program of self-validation and advocacy um, with things that work for you. Yeah. So you were talking about positive self-talk. Um, you know, we are, we are our base, big, biggest judges. We're most critical of ourselves. And that's another thing, you know, that is hard to practice is sometimes when we're feeling yucky, it's because we're talking yucky to ourselves. And yes. it's like, okay, why am I feeling so off? And a lot of times it's our thinking. Yeah. You know, what are those mean girls saying in our heads? Oh, that oh, we need to just... The mean girls in our heads are like mean middle school girls. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, and I just want to say, for the record, there is nothing worse than a mean yes. middle school girl. It is just like, whoa. Yeah. Uh, they're like little feral cats all in a bag together or something. It's, it's like not not good. But you know what they call those those voices in your head, those mean girls? It could be the voices of your parents. It could be the voices of your teachers. It could be the voices of your previous uh, relationships. It could be anything, but they're introjects. It's like they've been inserted into your brain so that you kind of have a problem figuring out, is this my voice or their voice? Like you look in the mirror and you think, oh my gosh, I'm so fat. Well, is right. that your voice telling you you're fat? Probably not. Probably not. Your voice would say, well, maybe you, you know, need to cut, cut back on the chips and candy bars for a little while because I can't button these pants. But you're not going to talk to yourself like that. That's some other voice, some other program that's running that is malware. It's a toxic program, and you need to shut it down and get it out of your head somehow because it's not serving you in any positive way whatsoever, it's a detriment. It's it's harming you to have that voice saying, you're fat, you're ugly, you're lazy, you're, you know, negative things, all those negative things. Those were probably messages you picked up somewhere along the line that got embedded in there and stuck in your head. And, and you really got to have to try to filter out the ones that don't belong there and build up your own voice where you can treat yourself with some kindness. So, yeah. so would you want a tool for that? Yes, let's have a tool. We're almost <laughs> out of time. Let's okay. end with a tool okay, and so a little bit of good advice. <laughs> so there you are looking at the mirror and there's always that one part that you laser focus in on. And mine was always my legs because I have big, strong, muscular legs and they are all scarred up. Up and they have varicose veins and I would just so be so criticizing and judgmental of them. I had people say too, you know, my gosh, you have such big legs. You know what? Be, it takes practice just like the, just like everything else, you know, talking, you know, giving yourself that great self-talk, looking at yourself in a different perspective and saying, I can walk. 
I have legs. These legs have taken me miles. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a runner. I run. I can run with my legs. I can hike with them. Yeah. They, you know, turning into that positive, and that seems very simple, but instead of laser focusing on that area, what is that strength in that area? You know, what is that beauty in that area? Oh, I've got crow's feet. I've got wrinkles. You know, what is, what has come with those, those wrinkles and those crow's feet? Those, you know, that's when you laugh and you smile. Those are your beauty marks that come out when you're happy, you know, turning it into something beautiful instead of that laser focus, judgmental criticizing. And it's, it's hard because we are so ingrained of picking ourselves apart. Yes. Well, you can just say it out loud, say, I know this is not my voice, the one that's telling me how ugly I am. And I am phenomenal. I'm still, my heart is beating. I am still <laughs> yeah. breathing. I'm, I'm, I have gratitude and I practice gratitude. Thank you for my job. Thank you for my cat. Thank you for my house. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for, you know, and just, and just try to flip it. Uh, you know, I have one for you. It's like stretch marks, right? <laughs> you can look at them and say, oh my gosh, my poor body, my tummy is so terrible. Or you could say, I brought into this world an amazing human being out of my body. Oh my gosh, I'm a rock star, <laughs> you know? And, and I have tattoos to show for it. <laughs> there you go. These are, these are badges of honor. And um, yeah. yeah. It's just trying to work on that. So in summary, as we wrap it up, the two things we've talked about today is the need to forgive, especially ourselves, not just the abuser, because they're victims too, whether you, and, and they're mentally ill. It is what it is, you know, right? I mean, they are victims and they are mentally ill. And what do you do with that? Well, you accept it. They're incapable of being how they need to be, doing what they need to do. They can't give you anything. They don't know what it is. And so. And if you're waiting for them to forgive you, or you're happen. waiting for, for them to say, I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. No, it's never going to happen. <laughs> so you're not going to ever gonna get happen. that. They're incapable. And and right. this this personality disorder is a mental illness. So when you accept that you have loved a person with this disability and that they're incapable, then, you know, you don't just keep repeating it and banging your head into a brick wall until it's bloody. You step back and say, wow, I'm so sorry that this person is this way. And I'm sorry I spent all this time thinking that they weren't, but they are. I accept it and I forgive them because they didn't even, they don't even know. They don't know. Maybe sometimes they, you think they know what they're doing. I don't know about that. I think, I think it's, yeah. they go by impulse. I think that they're driven by their hunger to get fuel or supply to get that, you know, what they need to fuel up, to power up. It's like Pac-Man, you know, or it's like an animal that kills its prey. They're not malicious. They don't want to torture their prey. They don't want to be mean. They don't want to hurt them. They don't. They don't set out to hurt them. They're just hungry. It's dinner. Yeah. And and that's kind of like that's what it is with these people. And so you forgive them, then you forgive yourself for the time spent for the for your whatever the whole dynamic was there and all the pieces that need to be forgiven for all the years and times of your life that need to be forgiven. And then you try to self-advocate and find your voice, your boundaries, your ethics, your values, your identity, and you build it piece by piece, brick by brick every day until you become a whole healthy person who can self-validate and who can speak up and be seen, be heard, and be amazing. Even if you have big yeah. legs or saggy arms or stretch marks or whatever, yeah. you know, we deserve love and happiness yeah. too, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, tell us once again what your, what your uh, consulting 
business is, and I'll drop a link to it in the in the notes that that you can look at under the material. What is it? Okay. So you can you can find me uh, um, at lifecoachdiscover.com, and in there um, I have one-on-one -on -one coaching, and then I also have an online course. So if you go to that, or you can even DM me under um, Betty Jo Greenley, and Betty jo um, Greenley. I can get you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Greenley, I, I encourage people to try new things. That's what I do. I know when I first went through this, I got the Melanie Tanya Evans. Do you know Melanie? Melanie Tanya Evans. She has the Thriver program. Oh my gosh, it's excellent. Uh, I did Kim Saeed. She has the breakup boot camp or something like that. It's pretty excellent. Lisa Romano had something that I did. So those were my top three. Melanie Tanya Evans um, was probably the most transformational. Kim Saeed and Lisa Romano. Plugs to all of them because they're amazing. I watched Dr. Vaknin, Sam Vaknin videos. I didn't really watch them. He's, you know, he's, He's a cutie pie, but you don't have to be just staring at him for an hour. You can just turn on the video and drive and listen to him while you're commuting or doing housework, put your earbuds in, whatever. And he's got like thousands of, of lectures and every single one of them is the most amazing. He, if I had one, if I was stranded on a desert island, I would take him <laughs> so that we could talk about narcissists all day because he is the quintessential kind of like godfather of narcissists. He's the alpha and the omega narcissist specialist. Like he invented it. He, he coined a lot of the language. He wrote the first book in 1995 on it. So I, I just owe him so much. I love him so much. And, uh, and I've tried a bunch of other things. So I encourage people Check out Billy Joe Greenlee here. You know, you, you try these different things. I, I took bits and pieces from all the different ones and put them together. And that's how I have what I have. I don't have a, a class or a program uh, or anything, but that's how I came up with my philosophy on how to get through this is by taking the parts that work for me from those different um recovery program so you know maybe there's something in your class in your program that's going to be a real gem that's going to help push people forward so I, I i'm a firm believer that we have to have a team it's not a one person like oh i have a therapist i'll be okay well you know they may or may not know what they need to know about narcissistic abuse maybe probably unlikely um, I feel like there's a lot of people, even with PhDs in front of their name, behind their name or something, who have no idea what this is. They have no idea. They haven't been trained. Um, they just don't know. They can't help you then, right? And so we've got to try different things with different people until we can piece together a program for ourselves to stay on kind of like Weight Watchers or Alcoholics Anonymous. And then we stay on that program and never end up with another narcissist again. <laughs> that is the goal, right? Okay, everybody, we are running out of time. I'm going to have to jump in and say thank you to Billy Joe Greenlee today. And I encourage you to check out her program that she has a class and some uh, things because, you know, we can get a little something from all the different people that are out there that are have some something to share with us to help us and then take the bits and pieces that work for us and piece it together and make our own program and, and then stick with it just like AA or just like Weight Watchers or something like that because it's kind of a lifelong commitment to, to um, build ourselves up and do what we need to do to take care of business. Billy Joe, you want to say anything before we check out here? You're never too old or it's never too late to start learning. You're always learning. So, yeah, I think that that's right. And so uh, tell us the name of your, um, your thing again, your site. Lifecoachdiscover.com okay. is my website. Or you can just find me um, online on Facebook um, at BettyJoGreenlee.com or BettyJoGreenlee on okay. Facebook. 
All right, Betty Jo, thank you so much for being our guest today. And um, um, we will be back here again soon with more information for everybody on your healing journeys. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Thank mm -hmm. you.